What's up? This is TJP, otherwise known as the Phil and Flash, otherwise known as Manic slash Suicide, and this is the Total Nonstop Analysis Podcast. Ah, oh, here it goes. Now, everybody out there, go run and tell your homeboys and homegirls it's time for Keenan then Kill. This is the Total Nonstop Analysis Podcast. As always, you're joined by me, Carmen Michael, my co-host, Kyle Prescott. And joining us as our special guest today, the host of the Marked Out Wrestling Podcast in the All Elite Hour, and the voice of Global Syndicate Wrestling, Brian Tamborello. Brian, welcome. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I was telling you before, I'm so excited to... to I hadn't watched TNA pay-per-view in so long, so watching one from just beginning to end, it was just... I loved it. It was. It was I mean, there, there, were, there were low points too, but... We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But thank yeah, you for having yeah. me. Well, it's nice to have an actual professional broadcaster on our <laughs> show. <laughs> so if you guys are ready, what do you say we hop right into this monster three-hour show? Let's do it. I'm ready. So as you can tell by the title of this episode, we are covering TNA Victory Road 2004 from July 11th. This was a historic moment as this was TNA's first ever three-hour monthly pay-per-view. The show opens with a brand new title package in which the epic voiceover hypes the history of TNA, calling it the new face of professional wrestling. Show opens, we get a wonderful shot of a sign that someone's holding that says the guys in the truck rule. So <laughs> I want to take a quick second to say hello to a friend of the show, Matt Mitchell, who was on that truck. Oh, hey, Matt. Wow. Oh, nice. Very cool. I wonder how that sign ended up on TV. <laughs> <laughs> we get a match rundown with Mike Tanay and Don West. And then we see a clip from earlier today as Jeff Jarrett arrives at the arena. Listen up, nut. Shane Douglas is on the scene to catch an interview and Jarrett looks like he just got back from the country club. <laughs> he assures... So he assures us that Kevin Nash will not be here tonight. And I have written in my notes, sure, Jan. Yeah. Kyle, do you <laughs> have anything worked to say? Out well. uh, all right, so first of all, I, I fucking love this intro. That new intro video just got me hyped as hell for the pay-per-view before it even started. Uh, and, you know, since our usual thing is to uh, for Carmen to roast somebody on what they're wearing, uh, what the hell is up with Don West wearing oh. silver on? <laughs> if you noticed he has multiple of these shirts because last episode we covered he was wearing a red silk shirt with a silk tie oh my gosh and now he looks like the michelin man had a baby with a silver surfer <laughs> yeah and first of all like the, i mean i've never worn one of those shirts before but i've had silk boxers all right i'll say that so, a silk button-up shirt that's got to be so hot like he had to be sweating profusely through the thing that was the only thought i could say i was like that guy has to be as, as a as a big dude who sweats he had to have been a sweaty guy as someone that has met him at sarcast i can assure you he's just a sweaty person in general so that could there not have helped yeah. <laughs> so we start off the show with a 20-man x division gauntlet for the gauntlet cup in this match much like in our first episode two men will start and every 60 seconds, a new competitor enters. The final two will then have a singles match to determine the Gauntlet Cup winner. Mm. So we're going to run through these. I'm going to mention the entrance. 
in the eliminations, just okay. the highlights. There's no sense of going into this long 26 minute match. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. We start off with the future Frankie Kazarian and the player from the Himalaya, Sanjay Dutt. And immediately the crowd is so hyped. They are loud. They are chanting their lungs out. Next up, number three, we have Puma, a.k.a. friend of the show and current Impact Wrestling star TJP, who just did did our show intro. Yep. Ah, okay. I was wondering who that was, and uh, okay. Yeah, I had no idea who it was. No. It was a very young TJ Perkins. Wow. He's got some killer Wolverine-themed gear. Uh, Puma and Kaz work together to try to eliminate Dutt, but no luck. Out next at number four, we have the original LaParka, L.A. Park, and he is bringing a steel chair and rocking a sweet Western jacket. Yeah. (laughs) And then he does that little pose in the ring with the chair. And as mentioned earlier about our friend of the show, TJP, TJ actually shared a little story with us about this moment here from his point of view. So let's Mm. check it out. If I could share a memory with you, uh, one of my, (laughs) one of my favorite personal memories was, um, uh, myself and Frankie Kazarian are, have been friends for a long time. We started in the same place in Southern California. And, uh, there was a pay-per-view one time. We were both in a battle Royal and it was a Royal rumble style. So you come down, uh, every so often, I can't remember how long the intervals were. And Frankie and I, at one point were the two left in the ring. Um, <clears throat> and the next guy that came out ended up being Laparka, And he, uh, <laughs> He came out, his music kid, he came out with his chair and this cool, like, Western, like, fringe jacket on. And um, Frankie and I looked at each other like, man, somebody's going to get messed up with this chair right now. And we both were like, you get LaParka. No, you get him. No, you get him. That sort of thing. And, you know, eventually LaParka made his way to the ring, slid in the ring, and... uh, I think we both tried to run from him, but I think maybe like Frankie got hit first and I tried to run and Laparka still came and got my ass. And uh, then we laughed because uh, after getting banged with the chair, Laparka went to um, take off his jacket because Frankie and I were laying down and, and you know, hurting. <laughs> and uh, he was actually too big to get out of his really tight a small jacket, which was a really cool jacket. It was just like it barely fit him. So he was like stuck in his jacket. Like he only got it like this far out. And then he decided to just put it back on. And we laughed so hard after that. Uh, But that's one of my favorite memories, you know, as far as being there with my friends. Um, But I have tons of memories from old TNA and even current uh, impact TNA. So. So after LA Park, we have Mr. 630 Jarrell Clark. This man is the original Ricochet. I mean... Dude, he was impressive as hell. He's got the look. He's got the move. I actually... I didn't know that a 630 was around then. I I, Honestly, I thought... I really thought Ricochet was one of the first ones to, like, perfect it. I knew... I guess Jack Evans uh, had... I think I'd seen him do it before, but I had no idea that this guy was doing it back in 2004. That's pretty cool. Yeah, much like a lot of stuff with TNA in this period. I watched it live, but a lot of it's just kind of burned out of my memory sure so at number six we have miyamoto who we saw on the two-year anniversary show yep he's my favorite from team japan 
Right after this, Jarrell hits a 6.30 onto Puma, and the crowd loses their mind. Now, I got I to gotta ask, was this around the time when they were, uh, like, were all the tickets sold, or were they the one? Because weren't they giving out tickets to a lot of people at Universal? Yes, for um, for the Impact episodes, they would okay. kind of give them out. My understanding is the pay-per-view tickets were sold. Right. That's that's kind of what I assume, too. I just wanted to double check because you are the the TNA guru around here. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I'm just a fan. <laughs> uh, after the 630, there's not too much time to celebrate because at number seven, Michael Shane makes his way to the ring. Once again, commentary, make sure to mention Michael Shane is Shawn Michaels cousin. Shane quickly grabs his tag team partner, Frankie Kazarian, and they eliminate Puma, Clark, and Miyamoto in very quick succession. Mm -hmm. Up next, at number eight, Hector Garza, the uncle of Angel Garza. He gets in the ring. Him and uh, L.A. Park team up to take on Kaz and Shane. Uh, After that, we have, at number nine, Nosawa, and at number ten, Mikey Bats. Mikey hits an awesome wheelbarrow stunner on Kaz as soon as he gets in the ring. Yep. I don't remember this dude at all, but holy hell, that was sweet. I remember the name. I just, I don't, same thing. I don't, I don't really recall ever watching a match of his. Out at number 11, we have Ravenna Vane's favorite wrestler, Alex Shelley. Shelley eliminates Dutt and then Kaz eliminates LA Park. Man, Shelly just looks so young and different here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of people who look like babies, at number 12, Matt Sadal <laughs> looks like he's fresh out of high school prom. Yeah. Dude, yep. He, he's out at number 12. He's looking <laughs> so young. Um, he enters the ring. Alex Shelly is on the outside feigning an injury, but commentary notes that he is not eliminated at number 13 we have sunny siaki siaki is a powerhouse Mm -hmm. this was my favorite person in the battle royal i had never heard of sunny before this and i was so impressed yeah he actually that's that's what i wrote down in my notes too he was a like total house of fire when he came in there he was destroying everybody he was really pushed in tna in the early days and then I, i don't know i don't know what happened but Luckily for KP here and Davis, who is at home resting up. Davis, we hope you feel better soon. But we we skipped over the period between 2002 and 2004. We went mm. from the original pay-per-view into the Impact years. So lucky for them, we skipped over SEX. So they didn't get uh, to see Sonny Siaki back then. Yeah, sports entertainment extreme. That's right. Oh, boy. So Sonny Siaki enters the ring. He is a ball of fire. He hits a pop-up power slam to Sadal, and then a pop-up Samoan drop to Shane back-to-back. He's a freaking madman. He eliminates Nasawa, and then Hector Garza eliminates Mikey Bats. Mm, Poor Mikey Bats. (laughs) He got his little time to shine. (laughs) He wasn't doing too bad for himself. At number 14, we have Jason Cross. As he enters the ring, Sadal misses a springboard spiral tap on Siaki, who gives him a brain buster for all of his troubles. Nice. 
And at number 15, Kyle, would you would you like to do the honors? Who entered I'll, at number 15? I'll do the honors. The number 15th entrance was Carmen's favorite person in TNA, Shark Boy. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, this is way before he did any of his, uh, what, any of the, like, the Stone Cold stuff, right? This is just, he was straight up Shark Boy. And, and I like the dude that he was, uh, who was the guy that he was teaming with again? What was his name? Uh, D-Ray. D-Ray. D- was it D-Ray 2000 or 3000 or something like that, right? His name was D-Ray 3000, you 3000. dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea about their whole pairing. Like, this was, this was fantastic, man. Such a, such a trip back to, uh, to, uh, to, man, I haven't thought about it in a while. I forgot all about that, but Shark Boy enters. He eats the ass of Michael Shane. Or, I mean, rather, he bites the ass of <laughs> Michael Shane. <laughs> Shelly eliminates Sadal from the outside. And at number 16, it is WCW NWO Revenge Legend, my favorite wrestler to play as, Psychosis. He does good lucha things with Garza. (laughs) (laughs) Garza gets the upper hand with a wheelbarrow German suplex. Yeah. Psychosis was great. Psychosis is so underrated. I love his mask, too. His mask is the best. And his series with Rey Mysterio back in ECW is legendary. Psychosis is one of my favorites from the Mexicools. Yes. And which is weird because like when he was Mexicools and, you know, obviously he didn't have a mask. His hair, he's got like the straightest hair. But for some reason, his mask that has like the hair, it's like super curly and froey. It's just like so funny. Out at number 17, we have Shark Boys tag team partner D-Ray 3000. They both go after the field and are quickly eliminated by Sonny Siaki. At number 18, Amazing Red. Kyle, you seem pretty happy over there about Amazing Red. Do you have any thoughts? I'm a big fan of Amazing Red. Not long after this, Alex Shelley is finally eliminated from the match. Yep. Out out at number 19, we have the Brian Kendrick. You mean as he was known. (laughs) As he was known in the day. Spanky. Yeah. I had to look him up. Like I saw him. I was like, he looks familiar. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I Googled it. I was like, oh, shit, that's Brian Kendrick. I th- and so I, oh, I'm sorry. Go on. This was fresh off of his run as the streaker on mm. SmackDown. So <laughs> one of the things I noticed about him was uh, his entrance music. What like I, you only hear heard like five seconds of everybody's. But his was just awful. I don't know what 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 their angle was or what it was, but. Ooh. Much much like WCW, a lot of TNA's theme songs were parodies of popular songs, but even worse. Right. Like we were noticing a few weeks ago about Kid Cash's theme song, which was a direct parody of Pantera's Walk. Yep. <laughs> Except after the riff, it would say Kid Cash <laughs> rocks. And it was so Oh, bad. so good. So bad. How <laughs> <laughs> to out at number 20, completing the field, we have Chris Sabin. Once this happens, there's a lot of fast-paced action, lots of eliminations. We get a Tower of Doom spot. Which that was, was amazing. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Lots of fast-paced action, like I said. We get down to our final two of Hector Garza and Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, I was thinking it was going to be Chris Sabin and, and Kazarian, but... Yeah, I was surprised that it was Garza. I guess were they were they pushing 
him back then? At this time, Garza was the leader of Team AAA. Oh, okay. Okay, so that makes sense. And he was just returning after uh, a little stint away. Garza picks up the win after missing a corkscrew moonsault, but then reversing a pinfall attempt. Yeah. And he won a nice little back and forth but match. His first moonsault was beautiful. It sure was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was surprised. This was a, like a 30, 30 something minute match for an opener. The, the official time was 26 minutes and 35 seconds. Okay. Dang. Garza cuts a post-match interview in Espanol and says he is grateful to be back. Yep. After this, we go to a political campaign video for the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, who is petitioning to be the director of authority. Yep. This election is brought to you by Backyard Wrestling 2, and Dusty is leading the election over Russo by about 10%. And stop the votes, bro! Stop the vote. <laughs> we must throw out all the illegal ballots, bro. <sighs> oh, God. Uh, and then uh, after this airs, uh, Scott Hudson's doing a thing backstage, and I called it. I figured it's a WWE joke. He said there's a web server breakdown in Stanford, Connecticut. Right. And then he yes, is she new, whoever was uh, brought her the ballots. <laughs> Lots of political jokes, which is... Yeah. Wonderfully timed giving our yeah. current state here yeah, right? in the United States. <laughs> and a little dig at uh at WWE too, Stanford. Oh, so, always yeah. love that. And there's oh, still yeah. more of that to come in this episode. So Scott Hudson is joined by the Naturals, Kid Cash, and Dallas, who hype up their match. Cash tells them all to follow his lead and they will win. So next up, this team follows Cash's lead and does not win. As, <laughs> as they face the eclectic team of Eric Watts, Johnny B. Bad, Pat Kinney, and Ron the Truth Killings. You mean the, the man, Ron the Truth Killings. Such a weird combination of people. Yeah. Like, especially Johnny B. Bad. He was only there for a cup of coffee, I feel like. He was returning after a long absence away and... Looked exactly like he did in the 90s. Yeah, he looked great. He really my, no- my notes are, why is Mark Miro in this match? Also, why does he look like the love child of Prince and Sasha Baron Cohen? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's spot on. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. It's, I'll never be able to unsee that now. It's a decent huh. little match. Uh, yeah. Truth picks up the win for his team. Nothing really of note other than the battle of the big men. In the middle of the match with Dallas and Watts. Yep. Y'all have any thoughts on this match? Uh, man, um, you know, I did enjoy Cash's promo um, in the beginning. I thought that was, I thought that was a good promo. Um, and I like that he was like trying to assert himself as as the leader of that clique that they had going on. But uh, I don't know, man, the, the, the whole thing, the whole dynamic, it was just such a weird eight man group of people, especially like. I would actually I would say Eric Watts is probably the weirdest one out of all of them to me. If if you were going to ask me, Eric Watts, very strange. I agree 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, I had honestly never heard of Eric Watts. Did he go on to do anything or or is this just who, who he is? 
Okay. No, no. Well, he's he's, he's yeah. this is he's the son of Bill Watts, the promoter, I believe. Okay. So yeah. that's why he's but like he's had chances in different promotions and stuff. And I guess this was another uh, last ditch effort to try to. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he really did yeah. anything in the wrestling business after this. I and mean, he's the, he's got a great look. He's just things didn't work out for him. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, overall, it was a fun tag match, and I was just happy that my boy Trick picked up the win. Yes. After the match, we go to the back and see another limousine pull up. <laughs> Shane Douglas is out for an interview, and the driver says Nash is not in the limo. And Who's I'm, in the limo? Who's I'm in the limo? Sh- I'm sure Shane just walked away and didn't question Yeah, him. of course not. He definitely didn't demand that he interview the person in the, in the limo. I wouldn't believe it if he told me. Nope. <laughs> Next, we have the Monster Abyss. And he is locked in one of the rooms from the Saw movie. <laughs> Mike Tanay says that the three competitors in the Monsters Ball match have all been locked in darkness for 24 hours with no food or water. What and that the- gentleman is 100% a war crime. What the fuck was that? Like, they, they have to get prepared for the Monsters Ball match by not eating and drinking for 24 yeah, hours? By malnourishing <laughs> yourself and being dehydrated? Come on. It's what all athletes do. Yeah, right. I think LeBron does the same thing. Yeah, and I, I will say that the three promos we get from the competitors, or rather the three video yeah. packages in Abyss's case, are fantastic. Like they oh, really yeah. set the mood. So after we leave Abyss's haunted mansion, we get another mini match, which was a staple in TNA. Was we it? Absolutely. Oh, it wow. seems like every show there was a mini match, hmm. which thankfully they're not calling midget matches anymore. Yeah. 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 That's good. But th- they did say midget on on commentary. They oh. did. Yeah. We have Piratita Morgan, which translates to the little pirate Morgan facing. Oh, he was a pirate? Yes. I, I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> the Sark. I love it. Facing off against really the face of this mini division, Mascarita Sagrada. Yeah. The match starts off with Morgan bitch slapping the back of Sagrada's head like an angry Latina mama. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. Basically. You you would think he left the refrigerator door open or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's another slow, weird mini match. We've seen a few of these now. At one point, Morgan thinks that he's quite literally killed Sagrada after hitting a splash on him. And he's checking on him and poking and prodding, checking for a pulse. But he is sadly mistaken as Sagrada goes on the offense. There's a ref bump, and Sagrada thankfully puts this away in three minutes with a roll-up. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I had no idea that they were do they did a lot of mini matches. This is a uh, that's news to me, man. After they wheeled out all the legends, we cut backstage on NWA TNA pay-per-view number one. Mm-hmm. And you get Puppet the Psycho Dwarf. And he says that they are going to start TNA <laughs> with the midgets because the midgets rule America or something along the lines huh. of that. Says he has a thirst for midget blood. And then... Wow. You would think it would immediately go into the mini match. 
Right. But instead goes into an X Division six man tag match. Oh, that's nice. It was it makes it no sense. It totally made sense. And then he didn't even wrestle on that show. Nope. I, I I'm pretty sure, and I don't I don't want to bring the mood down, but didn't I think Puppet didn't he just pass away recently? I believe so. Am I or am I making that up? I'll try to let me see if I can find that. But huh. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not really a huge fan of these. I'm glad that they're that they're quick. I don't mind them but as long as, as long as they're quick. But right. uh, I will say, Sacred Mask is growing on me, though. I mean, I've seen them in like three, uh, th- uh, two or three matches now. <laughs> have you Have you ever seen uh, uh, TLC or actually when it was TLC? Um, TLC, right? Between... I've shown that match to so many friends who don't watch wrestling. It's so it. good. I don't think I have. Oh, it's really good. It's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, definitely one of the better, uh, better mini matches that I've I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, puppet rest rest in power, puppet. September 9th, twenty twenty. Man, our thoughts and prayers go out to the family yeah. of puppet the psycho dwarf. Yeah. Backstage, we are with Scott Hudson, and he gives us another election check in. Not much has changed. Dusty Rhodes is ahead by ten percent. We have a promo with three live crew and boys. I love me some Conan. <laughs> Dude, Conan's so good. And I love that BG James you know, doesn't even try and stay away from the road dog character. He still uses every catchphrase. Oh, yeah. He even ends it with the, if you didn't know, cause I, uh, then you know, cause I told you so. <laughs> right. Even does the whole thing before the match too, like in the ring. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. After this promo, we are told we are about to start the NWA world tag team title match, but there's a familiar song playing. Hmm. And a wild Scott Hall appears. Hey, yo. Hey, he yo. Says, he says, hey, yo. Well, that was good. I've met the dude. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. We were at Southern Honor Wrestling, and I was working on the tech crew. I was speaking to close personal friend and friend of the podcast, Rich Ward from Fozzie. Oh, hold on. I just, I just dropped a name. Let me pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> And he says, aren't you going to say hey to Scott Hall? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, turn around. Oh, no. <laughs> Scott Hall was there. So, oh, yeah, that's nice, cool. Nice Very little cool. picture of us throwing up the two sweet. Nice. Scott Hall says, you can't throw a party without inviting him. And it's no secret that he doesn't miss many parties. Yep. Yeah. Kevin Nash will absolutely not be here tonight. And you can trust him. I, I trust him. I trust. Yeah, him. right. I mean, at this point, I was like, "There is no way Kevin Nash is showing up tonight." I've already heard it twice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody's gonna lie on a wrestling show, right? They're they, really letting us not gonna gently. show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least they're informing us. You know, we're not getting our expectations high. Right. Hall says that he invented the ladder match, so he's got his eyes on the main event. May the best Jeff win. May the best Jeff win. Yep. Jeff on a pole. <laughs> Oddly enough, I think that was a, a video on my OnlyFans. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Up next, we finally get that NWA World Tag Team Title match that we were promised. Three Live Crew enters the ring and they do their famous intros. Orale, let me speak on this. That was good. That's hey, good. Hey, also, this is we haven't had 
except for the minis matches, we haven't had like a regular singles match yet. That was another thing that I uh, that I noticed yeah. too. It's like an hour and a half into the show. Yeah, there's a lot we of that. First thing. Yeah. A lot of gimmick matches, a lot of multi-mans. Mm -hmm. Awesome three live crew saying, you know, not one, not two, but three live crew. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And also, uh, uh, I was doing like you was, uh, like what you do sometimes, Corbin. I was also looking at fan signs when Team Canada came out. Did anyone catch the Blame Canada sign? I did. (laughs) Blame Canada. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh man. After this, we get into the match. Three Live Crew takes on Team Canada of Bobby Roode and Eric Young, as always, with their coach, Scott Demore. Really good match here. In the end, Truth ends up making the save when Coach Demore enters the ring with a hockey stick. Conan picks up the win with the K factor to win the titles. Boys, we have new champions hit the pyro. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, so first of all, I'll say Conan is a damn beast. Whenever he entered, it was just insane how good, how damn good he is. There's one spot that I thought was absolutely hilarious. What the fuck was up with BJ James doing that crossbody and missing and just falling out the ring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of weird i will say that the uh the, the the pyro at the end caught me off guard i was very startled by that i was like oh we're doing pyro for a tag team match okay all it right so extra in the best of ways <laughs> yeah after the match we go back to another mystery bunker location and raven says locking him up was a mistake He's out of his mind now, and being crazy was the only thing keeping him from going insane. He cuts a really dope rap for some reason. <laughs> he does. He does. Like some slam some poetry. Freaking Bro. great poetry here. <laughs> then ending it with, quote, the Raven nevermore. Afterwards, we get another political ad from Vince Russo, bro, and he says old school wrestling has to go. <sighs> Oh, Vince. And, bro, he he approves this message, bro. 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 They're funny for what they are. I appreciate that they're doing, like, campaign ads and voting for this director of authority angle. This is pretty cool. I don't know. To me, it kind of feels like I I enjoyed it, but it still feels like almost like WWE light with, like, the whole, you know, the the having, like, a a director of authority type of character on the show. But whatever. (laughs) after this we go to the ring and we hear some bagpipes and holy shit i forgot roddy roddy piper i did not expect this (laughs) he comes out for a piper's pit but there's no set in the ring there's just like a big red cheap tablecloth probably the same one from the vip section for the legends the other week (laughs) And it's just laying on the ground. It seems like a total tripping hazard, which I'm sure definitely will not come into play later. (laughs) There's a you're a legend chant, which he acknowledges and says that he's actually got a bone to pick with legends. He's about to introduce a real man who put the X in X division long before there was one. I'm sitting here waiting on bated breath, not knowing who to expect. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, I didn't know who the hell he's bringing out. 
And he introduces Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Mm. Snooker looks very confused. <laughs> That's what I put in my notes. I, I, I was thinking that maybe I was missing something. Maybe there's just something that Snooker just did. But I was like, why does Snooker look so confused? <laughs> he looks so lost. He, he just stands there with his eyebrow raised the entire time. Piper says, nobody in the X division is as good as Snuka, and okay, way to bury all the current talent. <laughs> <laughs> and then he turns around and asks Jimmy to hit him with a coconut to make up for their Piper's pit from many years ago. This is really unnecessary. I don't like this segment, but really weird. God, Piper just oozes charisma. Yeah. yeah. They don't make him like that anymore. Like he's yeah, so I, good. It, it would have been better if Snooka just didn't just stand there confused, right? Just <laughs> looking like time. just being quiet and just staring. Yeah, it was strange. I was like, I was, I was like does Snooka know what's going on here? <laughs> he looks like he was taking a nap, and somebody just came in like, "Mr. Snooka, follow me." And he's like, "Uh, okay." Yeah. <laughs> Kid Cash has heard enough. And thankfully, he comes to the ring. He tries to hit Snooka, but is beaten up by the old man. Once again, way to bury your current talent. Right. When Michael Shane and Frankie Kazarian jump in, Piper tries to make the save, but in comes Sanjay Dutt. And that tablecloth that's laying on the ground is uh, not holding up too well. No. Now everyone's tripping over it and it's just getting thrown everywhere. It's it's definitely a, a ring hazard, uh, if it you will. Looks like a great way to break your neck. Yep. The segment ends when Cash hits Sanjay Dutt with a coconut and Roddy Piper is standing there just bewildered. Like, how could you do that to somebody when he was just asking somebody to do the same thing? But OK. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was this weird thing where like at the end, Cash kept. Uh, repeating that he didn't bring the coconut. Like, what the hell was that about? Which was weird. I <laughs> no <don't>... idea. <laughs> no He's idea. like, dude, I just attempted murder. I didn't bring the weapon here. Jeez. <laughs> After this, we are back to a third undisclosed bunker, and it is time to talk about the alpha male Monty Brown, baby. Yes. Bounce. Kyle. I know you've seen him in a quick clip. What yep. did you think about this promo? Loved it. Monty Brown, the king yeah, of the Monty promo. Great. There's a reason why he is the goatest of goats. Yeah. And it's a shame that he left the wrestling business as early as he did. Uh, hasn't really done much. He cut one promo on behalf of Lance Archer recently. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Just out of nowhere. Yeah, this but, man, like, just is world champion all over him. In this promo, he tells Raven to quit his whining and tells Abyss to get over his constipation. And both gentlemen, you may want to plug your ears, but both will feel the pounce. Period. Damn. I, I wish he had a better, uh, a better shake, uh, you know, after when he le le left TNA and he was in WWE, CW, Marcus Carvone and, yeah, they just kind of buried him. It was, it was sad. He did have a WrestleMania match, though. So That's right. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah, that's right. Good for him. After this, we get a promo for the next pay-per-view, which is Turning Point. 
and then a promo for Trinity's Open Challenge. Kyle, you are a fan of Trinity. I am. She reminds me of Lita. Yeah. What did you think about this Open Challenge? Uh, I was surprised. I was trying to figure out who it was because uh, I was thinking, oh, are they really just going to have Trinity just no, no one to come out? And I was really shocked to see Jacqueline, and she was freaking clean in house in this. She she looked really good, but even though she didn't win, but I was happy to see Jacqueline. Yeah, and I also like the uh, the aspect of having Disco. I'm sorry, Glenn Gilberti and <laughs> who is it? Johnny Parisi or Swinger? Whoever it was, Swinger. Johnny Swinger. Yeah. Uh, on the outside, I thought that was a, that was a fun dynamic too. them getting involved. So we start off. Trinity makes her way to the ring. And as soon as her music stops, Glenn Gilberti and Johnny Swinger are on the mic like, oh, there's no opponent. Look, look, the music's over. There's no one out here. It's time to go. Come on, let's go. And Trinity, you know, she's on and on about how she's the goddess of Italian women's wrestlers, which is a a very small demographic of people. Yeah. <laughs> When out of nowhere, Jackie Moore, a.k.a. Jacqueline, jumps out from the crowd, slides in, and kicks everybody's ass. A nice hot start. At this point, I'm thinking, okay, this will be a decently limp match once it starts. But no. No. <laughs> once the ref finally gets the competitors back in the ring, Gilberti immediately grabs Jacqueline's leg, giving Trinity the early advantage. Johnny Swinger interferes. Trinity picks up the win with a moonsault in less than two minutes. Oof. Yeah. It's a great moonsault. She does a good, really good moonsault. Yeah, really she good does moonsault. indeed. And Once it just goes to show. References. <laughs> just goes to show. Last episode, Kyle and I were talking about how awesome it was that TNA let their women have longer matches. Oh. And we watched the stretcher <laughs> match between Trinity and Desire. And here we are, our very next episode. The match ends in a minute and 50 seconds. Mm -hmm. Womp womp. We go backstage once again to Scott Hudson with another election update. And what do you know? Dusty Rhodes is still ahead by 10%. And at this point, I'm expecting there to be like some sort of rigging at the end and Russo to win by finding a ton of ballots at the end. Yeah, right. Just find me 11,800, bro. (laughs) (laughs) scott says there are 30 minutes left in the election so get your votes in now triple x the team of christopher daniels and elix skipper enter cd tells them to say your prayers because the only way america's most wanted exits this ring alive is if they pray to god for their souls and damn okay damn good promo it was and he look he do, doesn't look like he ages like at all. He looks almost identical to how he did in 2004. 100%. Yep. Next up, speaking of God have mercy on your soul, we have the first ever Monsters Ball three-way hardcore match with three of my top 5 favorite TNA wrestlers. Yes. <laughs> I was so pumped for this. This was the match I was most excited for on the show. We have Monty Brown taking on Abyss and Raven. The match starts off on the outside, goes into the crowd. Lots of hard-hitting action. Abyss at one point hits a choke slam to Raven on the stairs. Oof, brutal. Yeah. Brutal, brutal, brutal. 
we head back into the ring. Raven grabs a chair from under the ring, and there's a robed man watching from the rafters. I was thinking this was going to play into who was in the limo, and it absolutely did not. Yeah, me too. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> this, this robed man will eventually reveal himself and become Abyss's handler. But Yeah, that's what they were saying on commentary. We will right. cover that on another episode. Raven hits his patented drop toe holds to the chair on Abyss. He tries on Monty, but oh no, he is not having it. He stops, grabs the chair, and just throws it as hard as he can at Raven's face. That was sick. <laughs> it is cool seeing Monty Brown do some uh, hardcore stuff. When you think of Monty Brown, you don't think of a hardcore wrestler. No. Especially as someone who came from the NFL. Like You wouldn't expect him to do these hardcore spots. No. Definitely not. Because he doesn't need to. He's not at all. Powerhouse. <laughs> Monty takes advantage. He is in full beast mode. He attempts a pounce on Raven, who pulls the referee in the way. This match is just super fast. People are taking offense and getting right back up. Raven rolls out of the ring, and Monty hits the giant abyss with a delayed power slam. What do you think about that feat of strength? Impressive. I mean, super impressive. Those are both like big dudes. So to be able to do that, I mean, that's that's a, that's a lot of meat moving, you know? Yeah. Dude, Monty Brown is so impressive. To quote the great Big E, that's a lot of big meaty men slapping meat. Yeah, a lot of beef. <laughs> I believe commentary mentioned that Abyss was like 6'8 and 350 pounds. Yeah. So, Damn. Monty goes for the pounce, but Abyss catches him with a black hole slam. Abyss then ventures under the ring and grabs a black bag. Wonder what's in there. Yeah, what is it? Well, we find out pretty quickly as he pours out lots and lots of thumbtacks. And gentlemen, thumbtacks. Wow. I can, I can assure so you these do not feel good. I've worked in one match that had thumbtacks, not even in the match. But they ended up all in my hand and in my shoes. It was oh no. <laughs> Oof. Abyss attempts to superplex Monty from the top rope into the tax, but is blocked. Raven enters the ring and power bombs Abyss into his own pile of tax. Yep. Abyss is a hardcore son of a bitch. I love watching Abyss. He's one of my favorite all-time wrestlers. His hardcore matches are just pretty unrivaled in my opinion yeah. without, without switching into that deathmatch mode right and, and like for someone that wore a mask too he was really good at showing emotion like you could totally read his face even though a lot of it was covered absolutely Raven attempts a pinfall but only gets a two Raven then sets a table in the corner and knocks Abyss from the apron to a table on the outside Turns around, immediately catches a pounce through the table. Monty Brown wins. I don't care about this other election going on. Monty Brown for fucking president. Yes. Do it. I'm behind that. Dude, Monty Brown was so good. This this was your first Monty Brown match. It Kyle. was. What did oh, wow. you think about the alpha male? Loved it. I want to see more. Uh, honestly, and now that I'm thinking of it... Uh, I don't know if it ever happened. You can tell me if it ever happened. Please tell me there's a singles match between Monty Brown and Conan. Hmm. I am not sure off the top of my head. One hell of a powerhouse match. 
We will look that up. Yeah, I don't know. Because yeah, these are two people I definitely would never want to run into. Just you know, <laughs> get, get get on the wrong side. We cut to the parking lot, and Shane Douglas is still trying to get into the limo. He's being a huge Karen to this limousine driver. He will not accept that he can't get in this limo. He's being kind of a dick. You. So has he been doing this the entire night? <laughs> like, he's been out here for 20 minutes. Like, come on, come on. Hey, let me look. Let me look. Who's in there? Who's in there? It is weird seeing him doing like backstage stuff because it's Shane Douglas. Former ECW champion. champion. Like, yeah. Like you should, he should be able to demand to or like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird seeing him like back off of a limo driver for all, all the people. <laughs> Security comes in and they drag Shane away. Oh Lord. <laughs> then we get clips from the TNA fan expo that happened before this pay-per-view. And it's kind of nice seeing this. It reminded me almost of a WrestleMania access kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely. I'm surprised you weren't at this, Carmen. I was way too young. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Scott Hudson with X Division champ Petey Williams. Hudson tells Williams that he believes that he is the underdog against AJ Styles, and Petey is not happy. Petey says that he will hit the Canadian Destroyer, and Scott Demore gets on the mic and says he's so confident that Petey Williams will win. That if AJ Styles picks up the X Division title, Scott Demore will move back to Canada and never return to TNA. And the look on PD's face says it all. <laughs> he does not look very confident. Uh, when you're the champion and you're the underdog. That's what I'm saying. Right. But when you look at who he's against, it all makes sense. Yeah. Next. We have the TNA X Division title match. Petey Williams taking on the first ever TNA Triple Crown winner, AJ Styles. Dude, this match was so smooth. I could I could no, watch these two wrestle all damn day. No pun intended, but I put that this match was phenomenal. Hey, hey. yeah, this was this was definitely this is easily the match of the match of the night for me. One hundred percent. Yeah, lots of back and forth action. Massive amount of pinfall attempts at the beginning, but both men are evenly matched. Just watching this back now, especially in the year 2021, these guys were really pioneers of current day wrestling. You watch how they wrestled now, and that's that's the style we're doing nowadays. Can't argue that, man. You're absolutely right. Scott Demore enters the ring with a distraction as Styles is just about to win. This leads to Petey hitting Styles with the belt but only gets a two. He starts wondering if he can get the job done, but boy, does he ever. Canadian Destroyer off the second rope, and Petey Williams is your victor. I was shocked that Petey won with such a basic wrestling move. I know. <laughs> look how look how weak that makes AJ Styles look. Yeah. He's being booked like a jabroni. I mean, Most yeah. people would kick out at one. Canadian Destroyer. I mean, I see that every Wednesday, multiple times. Yeah, I see it's like Kevin Ryan do that at New South. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just uh, the the psychology of this match was cool. Just like Petey trying to set up the the Destroyer and not being able to hit it, and then finally at the end, just getting it out of nowhere. I thought it was pretty rad. Yeah, excellent match. My match of the night. Mm -hmm. Easily. After, 
After this, we cut backstage and we see the two Jeffs both preparing for their match. Jeff Jarrett Listen up, nut. is getting ready while Scott Hall sits in a chair. And then we cut to another room where Jeff Hardy is putting on his face paint and screams into a mirror. <laughs> How edgy. Typical <laughs> Jeff Hardy. Wouldn't expect nothing less. Yeah. How tool music video of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Also, I think this is where Mojo Rawley got the whole mirror gimmick from. He saw <laughs> Victory Road 2004 and was like, that's it. That's me. Yeah, doing I'm, that. And it obviously worked out perfectly for him. Yeah, right? I mean, long before there was a Mojo Rawley, Jeff Hardy didn't get hype, but he stayed hype. So. <laughs> get me hype, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Next up, we have a last man standing tag team match. America's most wanted Wildcat Chris Harris and Cowboy James Storm takes on Triple X, the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, and primetime Elix Skipper. Damn this match. <laughs> so many questions. So yep. many questions, though. One thing of note, though, commentary mentioned that James Storm had actually attended the funeral of his grandmother that same morning and then flew back to make the pay-per-view. So kudos to James Storm. Great match for what was going on. Right. There, there so, were, uh, I was just going to say, there, there were, Elix Skipper had a few slip ups i would say yes this <laughs> i was so excited for this match when i heard about it but it left me with a lot more questions than answers yeah so the rules of this match <laughs> uh, was, so in was... order in order to start the 10 count for the last man standing you must first qualify by pinning your opponent which is that's very unique. that's weird that's definitely how that works. Most last man standing matches are no DQ, but apparently there are disqualifications in this, and the teams must also tag in and out. So everything I thought I knew about a last man standing match was just thrown out the window with this. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Maybe this is the correct way. Everybody else is just... <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah, everyone's doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so we're a couple minutes into the match and then James Storm is counted out finally I think this match is over but no apparently it's also elimination rules <laughs> <laughs> so Daniels gets eliminated by Chris Harris after a top rope leg drop one two three and then repeat that one two three and add four through ten so he was down for quite a while. <laughs> He's down for 13 seconds. The hell of a light drop. <laughs> we haven't seen one that strong since Hogan, brother. No. Mm -mm. Uh, at this point, I'm questioning why the ref is so against the use of a steel chair, but then that's when it dawns on me, like, wait, there's disqualifications in this match too? Chris Harris hits a catatonic to Elix Skipper, to pick up the win. Ugh. Well, kind of. Because Elix kicked out, it looked like. And then the ref had to be like, oh, he no, sure. that, that was three. He sure did. <laughs> and then cue the 10 count afterwards. Right. After Which the match. Since because he kicked out. I don't know. Right, yeah. He didn't pre-qualify, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
After the match, Christopher Daniels attacks with another steel chair. He attempts to handcuff Chris Harris to the ropes, but James Storm makes the save. But not for long, because then both members of AMW are handcuffed together and beaten with chairs. Yeah, that beat the shit out of them. Yeah, poor guys. Poor Braden Walker. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> Braden Walker. And I'm going to oh. knock your teeth. What does he say? I'm not going to knock your teeth down your throat. And I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat. <laughs> Kyle, what do you know about Chris Harris's short stint on the WWE ECW brand? Uh, nothing. I think he was there for all of like two or three matches. Yeah, I think he had a match against Matt Hardy. And I think that was like it. Like maybe like he had a couple other ones and they put him in this cheesy singlet that was covered in clip art with like nautical (laughs) stars and flames and bad skulls. (laughs) It was awful. Yeah. Backstage, we have Scott Hudson asking what is on the mind of Double J. And Kyle, you know what this means? This This is the third time we've seen double j we are three on our jeff jarrett counter hit the cue listen up slap nut jarrett says he wants to win the match you big fucking goof of course that's what he's thinking of (laughs) (laughs) what'd you think he was gonna say right (laughs) in ring we have mike tenay and he's ready to announce the winner of the director of authority election the fans have voted on tnawrestling.com and big shocker Dusty Rhodes wins. I was shocked, honestly. Woo! Dusty Rhodes is now your prom king. I mean, TNA boss. (laughs) And And he too happy. He grabs the mic and speaks like as if he has actually won the U.S. presidency. (laughs) Like, dude, it's not that deep, bro. Like, you just get to make matches, (laughs) right? As his first declaration, he says that AMW will face Triple X at Turning Point in a six sides of steel match. Yep. Kyle, this is. I've never seen a six sides of steel match. This is with no grandeur or anything like this. Probably one of the greatest matches in TNA history. So I am so glad that we get to watch this in just a few weeks. That's true. It's very true. Dusty says TNA has started a revolution while the other guys are glued to their TVs watching. The crowd chants TNA and Dusty says, let them hear it up north. Yep. Another little jab at WWE. Little jab, yeah. Right? Yep. And he tells the championship committee that it's going to be the fans way or the highway. Yep. And I'm sure that won't come back to bite them in the butt later on. Oh, no. Mm-mm. I don't know if y'all saw it. There was a fan sign that said sign everyone except A-Train. <laughs> oh, I, I saw it. I saw it, and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> I'm pretty what sure. did Matt Bloom ever do to you? Yeah, yeah, right? Come on. I'm sure, you know, Dusty already told people he was going to uh, cut their taxes or something. Yeah, oh, that's true, right? <laughs> Next up is the moment we've all been waiting for, the main event of the evening. We have an NWA world title match, and it is competed under ladder match rules. First of all, I don't understand why the outsiders are involved. Uh, I don't either. I don't know why they're they're in you know in the corner uh, of, of the guys. Yeah, I I really have, yeah Vince Russo. That's why. Vince Russo. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Hardy makes his entrance and he is ready to fucking rave. <laughs> Jeff Hardy is glowing up a storm. 
we get to the ring and we're about to have our title match introductions from JB when Jeff Hardy just slides out of the ring and <laughs> runs up the ramp like a damn crackhead and grabs the ladder <laughs> in, the, in the middle of championship introductions, which right? leads JB to say, and outside of the ring, <laughs> the challenger. Yeah, he, he grabbed two ladders before the match ever started. <laughs> but hey, that, that shows that he can think on his toes, right? JB, good job. Yeah, yeah, JB can, but maybe Jeff should like you know grab fucking ladders on the way to the ring, not right. Go all the way to the ring and run back. So early on, we get emo Shrek with the advantage. There's a tug of war. Emo (laughs) Shrek. (laughs) There's a tug of war with Jeff Jarrett driven to the corner. Jeff Hardy uses the ladder as a ramp to hit a drop kick. That was awesome. Yeah, but what would you expect from Jeff Hardy? Yeah, the, there, was, there, matches were, right, there were there were a bunch of good spots, but the whole match it was yeah. kind of stop and go. Really, it was a typical Jeff Hardy ladder match. Right. There was one cool spot where Hot Topic Gamora takes the ladder and turns it upside down, sliding Jeff Jarrett's body inside. Isn't that murder? Jumping on his back. While squeezing like his sides, isn't that like you know attempted murder? Right, I think so. Also, what about that one fucking spot? It had to be like I literally put what the fuck in my notes, <laughs> where he had a catapult where he jumped and he he hit the a ladder and it catapulted oh, and the, hit Jeff Jarrett. Catapult in the fucking- ladder bridge. Yeah, Having flashbacks to the Joey Mercury incident. Oh, yeah, but luckily when they played it back, you could you could tell it came nowhere close to Jarrett so yeah obviously uh, a little bit before that Hardy misses a vaulting leg drop over the ladder and why would you risk your ass like that that is he's Jeff Hardy yeah he's Jeff Hardy bro Jeff Jarrett is quickly becoming green as well he is just he, he, covered in this glow paint I thought he was but he also <laughs> painted himself he's got a nice <laughs> little green patch in the top of his hair I put in my notes, the infection is spreading. (laughs) (laughs) Scott Hall arrives and hits the edge on Hardy as he's climbing the ladder. Security starts to remove Hall, but then they just let him go so he can grab a chair and sit down and watch. Okay, nice. I I promise I'll be good. I promise. (laughs) Then we get the catapult ladder bridge. Uh, Hall just continues to interfere. He pulls Hardy out of the ring. At one point, Hardy ends up reaching the title, but Jeff tips the ladder over, crashing Hardy onto Scott Hall. Jarrett comes outside. Hardy slings Jarrett into Hall before hitting a plancha over the top rope. Man, this thing just keeps going on and on. So many spots. Yeah. Um, At one point, there... Or at one point, the two Jeffs set a huge ladder up outside the ring and just climbed to the top of it for some reason. I was fucking confused as hell about that. I was like, well, were they going to like climb it and then try and jump and get the title? Or like, what the hell was the point in climbing the ladder? <laughs> I don't know, but from the outside of the ring, that's a quite a bit of a jump, right? I mean, it's oh. Jeff Hardy. I wouldn't put it past him. Of course, the ladder tips over. Both men hit the floor and the ladder smack Scott Hall pretty hard on the way down. Yeah. Is there just like some kind of unspoken like rule in wrestling that if there's a ladder put up, you both have to climb it and fight on top 
no matter if it has nothing to do anywhere near the match. <laughs> There's a lot of unspoken rules in ladder matches, most yeah. of which you can only go at quarter speed. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, you have to be facing the hard cam as you climb. Like yeah. that's, that's obvious. But you, you call that quarter speed though. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the ring, we get two ladders set up. Hardy attempts a sunset flip bomb off the ladder, but Jarrett holds on. But Hardy tries right again. And this time succeeds crashing to the outside of the ring. At one point, Hardy hits a twist of fate onto Scott Hall, who tries to interfere yet again. And in my notes, I put, are all these men fucking invincible? Yeah, yeah, he didn't really sell. He sold, it was kind of weird. They all just keep getting up after right. all this offense. He has Twist of Fate and Swanton on Scott. Hmm. And finally, we get Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett both climbing a ladder at the same time, opposite sides, when who decides to show up but leisure suit Kevin Nash. I was shocked that he showed up because I, was, I didn't think he was going to be there. Three times no. he wasn't going to be here. Yeah, no. And this also all, all this like Jeff Hardy stuff and with like musical instruments and it sounds a lot like current stuff with like him and Elias, all that stuff that was going on. It's weird how that works out, right? Yeah, because Kevin Nash shows up with two fucking guitars. Yeah, Nash has a guitar over each shoulder. He makes his way to the ring. And then immediately hands one to Scott Hall and commentary is like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. <laughs> then the two proceed to beat the shit out of Jeff Hardy like some sort of neon pinata. <laughs> yep. Yep. Along with uh, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> uh, Jarrett gets the win. He's teaming up with Hall and Nash. Nash grabs the microphone. He says they are here to take over and make all the money. AJ Styles has heard enough. He slides into the ring. Well, you forgot getting his ass kicked. The great uh, joke that uh, Nash uh, did. He said, I didn't forget it. I just didn't want to repeat it. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) green with envy. (laughs) AJ Styles hits the ring, ends up getting a big boot for all of his troubles. Three live crew attempt to make the save, but end up catching all of the finishers. Finally, we see who is in the limo when out comes Sting. Nope. No, unfortunately not. Unfortunately, better yet, we get trench coat macho man. I thought it was. I saw the trench coat. I was like, oh, it's Sting. No. (laughs) Nope. Who showed up? It was maybe on screen for 30 seconds and the pay-per-view ended. So what was the point? Do you think he was sitting in the limo the entire time for like three hours? (laughs) I I honestly just wonder if Shane Douglas ever got got that interview. Right. Limo the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) What I wanted was as he got out of the in or as he got out of the limo for Shane Douglas to run up, be like, oh, hey, macho man, I've been trying to get you. (laughs) That would have been great. But oh. no, he comes out, he just stares at Hall and Nash, and then the pay-per-view abruptly ends. Yeah. Mm. The, like the, the whole main event made no fucking sense with the outsiders helping Jeff and then everybody coming in to attack and then Macho Man just walking out and the shit ending. <laughs> yeah, really weird. Really weird send-off. Luckily for you, Kyle, our next episode, we will be diving into the Impact 
directly after this. So that will answer all of your questions. Well, though, it's TNA. (laughs) (laughs) So that was TNA's first ever three-hour-long monthly pay-per-view. We always go into initial thoughts right after this. So let's go to our guest, Brian. Brian, just right off the bat, what are some things that come to mind about this show? I mean, what what stuck out to me was just the amount of I mean, this is 2004, but you had guys like uh, Alex Shelley, Sanjay Dutt. um, I don't know, just a a whole a good collection of young up and coming wrestlers from that time, like independents. And, you know, they had I feel like with 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 this pay-per-view, they had a little bit too many like X WCW, like big name people kind of come in because they had the clearly they have like a lot of talent. They had a huge roster with. A lot of talented guys, but they were still in that mindset of pushing the older, older names, which I do like at the end how they kind of addressed it with um, with uh, with AJ and him confronting, you know, Nash and Hall and stuff. So I do like that. But uh, I don't know. The the way that they built the car, too, was kind of strange. The first match being so long, I thought that was a, a little little weird, um, but it did showcase their X division, which at the time that was their their high, you know, their their highlighted division um that's kind of what made them stand out from wwe so i think all in all it was it was a pretty successful pay-per-view i would say they threw a lot in there um i I just i enjoyed it because i haven't watched a tna pay-per-view in so long so this was this was definitely a fun one to go back and watch absolutely lots of roster depth and unfortunately for tna the pushing of the legends you know, didn't necessarily end in this <laughs> in this phase of their company. Yeah, no. Uh, not until recently has that kind of died down a little bit. KP, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, I thought it was a good show. Uh, there's some low points here and there, but overall, overall, overall I really enjoyed it. Uh, 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 like Brian said, I, I'm really not a huge fan of them pushing the uh, all the brain-in legends to push. Yeah. Uh, still, st- still out of the. This is our fifth episode now. Uh, still out of the, the five episodes we've done, the X Division is still like the highlight of TNA for me. <laughs> Definitely, it will continue to be. <laughs> As always, before we get into our ratings, we will go to fan questions. First up from Ken Young. In your opinion, what was the best and worst match of the night? KP, best match easily the X Division Championship, and I would say worst match, I guess Trinity and Jacqueline. All right, Brian, what about yeah. you? Um, you know what I I I agree with uh, with Kyle, but I will say the the other match that I enjoyed. I think the one that I enjoyed the most was obviously the X Division one, um, but I'm gonna have to give the nod to uh, Abyss Raven and Monty Brown. Um, that was, uh, for Monty Brown to be in a match like that, uh, I thought that was definitely different. Um, so I think that was the match of match of the night for me. And then I agree with Kyle. I think the, the women's match and not, not, not because of their ability. They just, it was a two minute match. I mean, couldn't, can't, can't really, really do showcase. much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, match of the night was styles and Williams. Fantastic match. Like I said, I can gush about them all day. Worst match would have to be the last man standing tag team match. Oh, that made no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Next up. Yeah. 
not a question, but I did have a comment from independent wrestler J.D. Rush. He says, as a 13-year-old watching the Styles-Williams match, that that was probably the most influential match in his career and really set home the fact that he wanted to be a wrestler one day. So, I mean, that goes to show you. And then our final question this week from Johnny Pipes. What are your thoughts on Monty Brown? Hmm. Brian, let's start with you. Yeah, you know, I mentioned it before. Um, they were pushing him in TNA, and then I don't know when he got when he left. I mean, it was, I guess, before. Well, obviously, it was before WWE CW, but I really feel like he didn't really get a fair shake. I feel like he definitely should have been someone that should have been around a little bit longer. You know, he was a flash in the pan in TNA when they were pushing him, and then he did his thing in, in WWE, and it didn't really pan out, and then that was it. So it's kind of unfortunate that he didn't really do much bigger things in, in, in wrestling. But um, for the time that he was there, pretty impressive. Agreed 100%. KP, what are your thoughts on Monty Brown and your first time seeing him? Huge fan. Uh, easily one of my favorites now. <laughs> just from the just just from the promo and in, in the one match, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of his stuff. And I'm... Uh, it, it saddens me that he didn't have more of a career after this. Much like these gentlemen have said, y'all already know my opinion. I love me some Monty Brown. <laughs> One of my favorites from TNA, like 100%. Yeah. And now comes my favorite part of the week. I know many fans at home love this as well. I know that Oprah Winfrey once declared this the greatest wrestling scaling in the history of wrestling scaling. So hmm. it's, it's true, Brian. No, we'll, we'll wake you back it up. And show okay. Your, well, show, show, show me. The I've way. got the show documents. Oh, got really? the documents. Okay. oh, okay. All right. So we have a five tier rating system starting from five, which is the best you can get down to one. We have T in amazing T-N-A, T-N-A, T-N-acceptable, and T-N-awful. Brian, these are our scientifically proven ratings systems. Okay. How would you rate Victory Road 2004? I would have to say it would fall somewhere in between T-N-A and T-N-A. It was it was it was better than so like a, between like a three and a four, I would say, um, you know, it, it wasn't the greatest thing, but it also wasn't terrible. There were a lot of points in the show. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would easily say uh, like a TNA. I don't know Brian, if I'm saying we, right. We've, we've never we've never had this happen before, but I believe you just broke our rating system. What we've we've never had a half rating before. So. Oh, real? Oh, what, oh, what shoot. do we okay. what do we do, Kyle? Quick, what do we do? I, I, I'm really confused because uh, I mean, d d d Dave Meltzer gave us our blessing for this for this for this rating scale. I mean, he uh, he said even his rating scale isn't compared what, to ours. So what what would come? What would come between T N E and T N A? I don't know. Like T N I, T N I, T N I. That's pretty good. Our scale. That's pretty good. Well, I didn't know that you guys didn't do like in between score, but that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. So 
Yeah, I don't have to say TNI. This whole thing. (laughs) Drawing board after this. (laughs) All episodes and just read the whole thing. What about you, KP? What is your rating for TNA Turning Point 2004? As the Fawn says, TNA! Ah. I will join you in that. It wasn't a fantastic show by any means. It was really great for their first ever venture into the three-hour monthly pay-per-view, but not without its faults. So I will give it a four out of five TNA. Ah, okay. And now for the longest segment of the week, (laughs) we have our plugs. Brian, where can we find you? What all projects do you have coming up? What would you like the listeners of our podcast to know? Yeah, um, so you can you can find me, and you can also find Kyle. Um, we're on uh, AEH, the All Elite Hour, and you can just go subscribe to Marked Out Wrestling Podcast um, on YouTube, and you can just search search Marked Out Wrestling Podcast um, just on any kind of uh, podcasting platforms that you use. We're pretty much there. Um, you can find me personally. I'm on Twitter uh, at Marked Out BT. Uh, you can follow me there. Um, I don't really have too many shows lined up. The one that I do have lined up uh, is February 20th. That is for GSW. That is Inception. That is in Deptford, New Jersey. Um, it's available on Fight TV. Uh, so you can go follow them on uh, on Twitter. Go to GSW underscore pro and uh, for all of your uh, updates on them. But um, thank you guys for having me on here. This is This was a blast. I, I miss TNA, man. Old TNA is great. Honestly, it was all our pleasure. <laughs> KP, let's do it. What all you got? <laughs> all right. Well, as Brian said, the All Elite Hour. Make sure you check that out. It was, it was one is the first podcast I ever did, and pretty much what started this whole. Uh, uh, some people could say I, I had too many podcasts, but <laughs> I say whatever. Uh, so uh, you find us uh, listen to that if you're a fan of AEW. Uh, me and Brian are also. Uh, admins of the AEW All Elite Wrestling Discussion Facebook group. So if you're a fan of AEW, make sure you join that group. Uh, you know, not to toot our own horn, but it's our favorite uh, way of getting AEW news. And we strive to make it the best AEW group there is. Also, part uh, uh, with Brian, I said, so me and Brian, well, we share a lot of things. But we're, uh, I'm did. also part of the team at GSW. So, so, so uh, make sure you check that out next month on Fight. If you're a horror fan, check out my horror podcast, the Trick or Treaters podcast. You can find us on all uh, podcast platforms, and you can follow us on Twitter at Trick or Treat Pod. And uh, Carmen here as is our lovely editor, makes us all sound amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to follow me personally, I'm on Twitter at Kyle S. Prescott. Well, as always, you can find me at Carmen M. Childers on Twitter. I, for one, am not involved in GSW, but I would love to be. Y'all have any need for a sound man? I know you've got the ring announcing covered. (laughs) Speaking of which, I'm going to keep it short and sweet this week. My 2020 highlight video is complete and available now. So you can watch my ring announcing, my commentary. And if you can't get enough of my commentary... You can check me out on the award-winning IWTV on New South Action Clash. The episode that airs tonight as we are recording, I am joined at the commentary table with the legendary John Mosley and Mr. Pineapple Pete himself, Sugar Dunkerton. So 
Very cool. We, we had a great night. Had a lot of fun. You can find me all around the North Alabama area doing some ring announcing and commentary. And I'd love to come to your area too. So tweet your favorite promotions. Let them know you want at Carmen M. Childers. What were you saying, Kyle? Before we we head out, uh, the, the, there's two two more things I'd like to plug. Our friend, of course, our, uh, <laughs> our friend in front of the podcast, and who knows, he, maybe one day you, you, you'll hear him on an episode. Our friend Nathan Mary, he just had two documentaries release. Uh, one called "I'm Too Old for This Shit," and I believe it's on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon Prime right now. It was directed by Nathan and produced by Mr. Christopher Jericho yeah. himself. Le Champion. And also, he has a documentary out called Relentless, which is all about his former boss, Diamond Dallas Page. Yep, and DDP. Very cool. And speaking of Diamond Dallas Page and Nathan Mowry, we sincerely hope you will join us next week on January 19th as we talk about impact on fsn from november 12th 2004 in which we see the debut of diamond dallas page himself and to celebrate the occasion we are planning on having mr nathan mowry join us as our guest host and hopefully our actual co-host davis will be well enough yeah we we miss you kyle we hope you're feeling better we love you Yes. And Brian, we have a certain tradition here on okay. the show. We never go into this knowing how we're going to end the podcast. Ah. Uh, so I would very like, familiar. I would like you to send us out for this week's episode of Total oh, Nonstop Analysis. Boy. Um so without further ado, no pressure. Brian Tamburello. Um, all right. Uh woo woo woo. You know it, bro. Take care, spike your hair. <laughs> I don't know that. Um, if oh, you don't that's like, it. That's oh, it. that's it. Okay, oh, yeah, that's, we're just doing that's Zach our Ryder. outro. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Take care, spike your hair. Woo, woo, woo. You know it.